The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Michelle Traconis' trial has entered its final week with both the defense and prosecution resting without calling its defendant, Michelle Traconis, to the witness stand. We're going to talk about whether that's a good or bad idea. What else is coming up in this next week with the case and jury deliberations and some key evidence that was given by the defense in the last couple of days. I'm Collier Landry. Let's get into it. Testimony continued today in the most notorious criminal trial. In- when I was 12 years old, my testimony sent my father to prison for murdering my mother. I decided at an early age that our trauma should not be what defines us. It's what we choose to do with it that does. I'm here to share my unique perspective on true crime, mental health, society, and popular culture, albeit with a slight sense of humor. I'm Collier Landry, and welcome to my show. Mover Nation, welcome to another episode of the Call Your Landry Show, the show where I give you my unique take and perspective on all things true crime, mental health, society, and popular culture, and albeit with a slight sense of humor. Wherever you may be and however you may be listening, thank you for making me a part of your day. I appreciate it. Welcome, welcome. Uh, my neighbor's children have decided to play the harmonica outside and run up and down the stairs. So, Marisol might be chiming in with her thoughts. This is my, I guess, my last live before I am officially one year older. Another trip around the sun for me on um, this coming Wednesday, February 28th is my birthday. I will not tell you how old I am, but uh, I certainly don't feel it. Um, and here is, I think you have to put, uh, I think you have to put just the command in Court McNeil, who's trying to test out our new Discord feature. So we had our live channel meet and greet today uh because we do them at the end of every month on a sunday and um uh we we had everyone who joined discord there we go there's the message uh we who joined everyone who joined our discord who is a channel member or a patreon supporter it's a live channel meet and greet where we all get to meet each other and talk right on a on a google meet like a zoom it's really a lot of fun. You guys, nobody ever, I don't ever talk. Everybody else talks and it's fantastic, but I do get to share some stuff that you guys don't get on this channel, uh, normally with the lives and we get to interact in person. And it's really kind of cool. Uh, not in person, but virtually it's a lot of fun. If you guys are not a part of the channel, please check it out. All channel members are welcome. Once you join or all Patreon subscribers at every level and you get full access to the discord per membership level that you're on and all the announcements and everything that I'm doing, which there's so much because March is going to be a big month for this channel. I'm telling you because I am uh, devoting a lot of time to a lot of content creation. Now I am slowly winding down some other projects. So there's gonna be a lot coming. We are going to start in March, our AV club with our first ever members only screening live screening of my film, a murder in Mansfield. If you have not seen it, Now's the time to join. Check it out. We'll watch it together and I'll give you guys some inside, some insider tips and some inside info on what it was like to make the film, describe the scenes, what it was like to be in the prison with my father, how I even got to film in the prison because that's a way better story. The making of the film is actually, I think, a lot more interesting than the film itself. And the film is well done, directed by two-time Oscar winner Barbara Koppel. You know, we did a we did a bang-up job. I'm very proud of it. And um, we will do those live meeting. We will do that live screening this month as well as other shows, because you guys are going to start suggesting stuff that you want to hear from me. And I'm really excited about it. So looking forward to spring heading into summer on this channel. That's my spiel. I'm sticking to it. The kids have, have died down. I complained. I never do that. But then that one parent's playing the other parent's kid. It's so funny, but I this is why I don't have children. I have chihuahuas. Uh, but Marisol is happily having her bully stick, and she is very excited. So 
Yeah, there's going to be all kinds of stuff, all kinds of perks. I've been working on this for a lot, but I've had many things going on, as you guys know, other projects that uh, I have wound down, and I'm very excited because um, I can fully devote this to the content creation on this channel and the podcast and start to expand on some other things that I think are really important uh, to discuss. Speaking of discussing, I am getting ready to do my first ever juice cleanse this week uh, because it is my birthday and I'm on a healthy tip now. Um, not that I'm not healthy to begin with, but I'm going to do a weight loss challenge. I'm saying it here live. I'm going to do a weight loss challenge. And really, you guys don't have to participate. You just have to encourage me because back in the day, I was a very svelte model 20 years ago. And I thought to myself, I can, you know, I see a lot of really hardworking and in shape people in my gym. And I said, I can do that too. Uh, that is all things are possible, especially if you put your mind to it. And uh, I'm excited for the challenge ahead. So that'll be like a three or four month journey, but I'll be posting on that daily on uh, the channel or on my Instagram, or on my socials. Look for a lot more content from me because I know I've been promising it for a while, but I've had a lot of other commitments that uh, that take up my time and resources. And now I'm excited those those projects are winding down. I digress. Let us get into this Michelle Traconis trial and big shout out to my assistant, Court McNeil, who prepared these fabulous notes with video for us. Uh, I'm super excited because, oh, there is a lot that happened and um, I'm going to play a little bit, but I'm going to sort of discuss this too. So the big scuttlebutt of the week from the defense. So the prosecution, as I had said in the previous video, uh, had rested on Wednesday and Michelle's Traconis's, um, Michelle Traconis's, wait, do they rest on Wednesday or Tuesday? Sorry. I'm, I'm a little, <laughs> oh yes. And by the way, uh, two new members for our channel members, Galen, who joined Thursday, February 22nd, and also Maui Swift, who also joined on Thursday, February 22nd. Welcome to Mover Nation. Please Come to the next meet and greet. It will be at the end of every month on a Sunday, uh, 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern time. Keeping that across the board for all of our fans all around the world. I'm very excited. Uh, you know, and we've been doing this for a while, but it's you guys have really, really engaged well with it. And um, you know, this is all about building our little community here. So I'm very, I'm very excited. I'm very excited, as if you can't tell. Um Okay, so one of the big little scuttlebutt situations that occurred on Friday was the defense brought, uh, I'm sorry, on Thursday, the defense brought in, so I guess that was their third day. I guess the prosecution rested on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the 22nd. The defense brought in this expert, this Professor Elizabeth Loftus, who is based in the University of California, Irvine, literally 50 miles that way. Uh, I can see it. It's not really, but literally down south. And uh, she came on board. Now, she was there to discuss um, the interrogation techniques and the use of language and, mem and memory, specifically as it relates to memory, not language, but memory and Michelle Traconis's memory that, um, you know, there, there were three interrogations of her and she had changed stories and there's a lot of a, a lot regarding her you know english is her second language she is venezuelan and i started watching some of these interrogations and also what they said and something that i caution you guys and look i am not a lawyer i am not a psychologist i am not in law enforcement i am just a guy who's been through a lot of shit i promise i'm making the t-shirts for march i promise but the thing is is that um what I have said all along, which this comes from my friends that work in law enforcement, don't trust the police when you're in an interrogation. Get a lawyer because police can lie to you. And not that you shouldn't trust law enforcement. Let me let me back that up. Law enforcement is there to help. But when you're in an interrogation situation, the police can deceive you in order to get evidence to draw things out of you because they're trying to solve a case. They're trying to get probable cause, right? So they can sort of manipulate you. That cannot happen in a courtroom, but it can happen when you're being interrogated, which is why people always ask for counsel. I don't know why she didn't have any counsel, and I don't know why she didn't ask for an interpreter because English is her second language. And yes, Spanish, there's a lot of cognates and things like that. 
I speak a little bit of Spanish. You would, and as I speak even better Spanish in my life, I would never. And when I spoke perfect Spanish, I would never have wanted to be interrogated by the police in Spanish. I would ask for a translator and a lawyer. So I don't know why she didn't have either of those. Uh, I think maybe she either, from what I understand, she maybe refused that. Not a good idea. Um, so they trip her up a lot. Um, so I want to pay. Oh, thank you so much. My eyes are really popping because I had my hair guy make my hair a little darker for my birthday. Because it turned red last week and did not sign up for that. Uh, but thank you very much, um, uh, Catherine, Catherine Billinghurst. And by the way, Marie Hathaway, thank you for showing up. Uh, you were not on the last slide, but welcome Marie Hathaway, who signed up for a year on the Patreon at the uh, survivor level, at our, our, our tier one level. Thank you so much for your support. I greatly appreciate it now that you're here. Um, anyways, uh, what I was saying, and please make sure you sign up for the Discord. So. Michelle Traconis, so the, the defense brings on the stand this woman, and I am going to pull this up. So this Professor Elizabeth Luftus, who's based in UCI, University of California, Irvine. So she has served as an expert witness in the field of memory in numerous trials. And this is something that the prosecution played up, which I really hated. And I can't believe that they're allowed to do this, but they are, right? So she was involved in so many cases, the Menendez brothers. Uh, O.J. Simpson trial, um, uh, Jerry Sandusky, Michael Jackson, Harvey Weinstein, and Bill Cosby. Uh, coming in as an expert for memory, and she also was an expert for mostly out of the 300, I believe it was 311 trials she's been a part of, only one time she was called for the prosecution side as a memory expert. It's all been for, it's all been for the defense. However, I mean, so they, so they, and she even talks about it post, uh, post interior, post, uh, being on the witness stand. She says to the press, cause every day they're coming out of this trial at the Stanford courthouse and talking to the press. And she says, look, people try to do this all the time. They associate me with these nefarious characters in order to discredit and make the client who she's trying to assist look bad. They talk about the money she makes. I mean, they really grill her over some stuff and, Honestly, she's a professional. She should get paid. She's an expert. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then the pro and and this got so contentious in the courtroom that the judge said, "Look, enough <laughs> enough of this nonsense because uh, he said, you know, this is getting out of hand and he called it for the day." That was on Thursday. So, anyways, when she was questioned by the prosecution, she disclosed that she receives compensation for her time testifying on behalf of the defense in various cases, and she also affirmed her willingness to offer similar testimony if she was called upon by the prosecution. Traconis's memory on the day that Farber Dulos disappeared and her varying timelines of the day is expected to be a key part of the defensive strat defense's strategy. And so that's what they are trying to say. Um, that's what they are trying to say is, is why she can't remember certain things. She's getting tripped up by the police because she does have but the the memory thing to me is just so benign. Um, and, and again, there's this language barrier, which they bring in another expert in to talk about that. That was on Friday. So uh, Luftus first walked the jury through her extensive research and knowledge of human memory. The defense argued that the science behind the memory explains why Traconis had inconsistencies in her interviews and the additional details provided as interviews occurred Quote, memory does not work like a recording device, Luftus said. She said that memory fades as time passes. For shocking events, she said, people can remember more, but the details could be altered too. Luftus also said that her research looks at post-event suggestion. And after some event occurs, she said, they have conversations with people, they're interrogated, they're exposed to new information. We've learned that information, specifically if it's misleading, can distort someone's memory. When people ask questions, she said, it can contaminate memory. <clears throat> and that includes when police deliberately introduce misinformation during an interrogation. She testified the, that in the inserting of details by police investigators or presenting false information by investigators can create memories a person would later believe to be true. If they're stressed and sleep deprived, that will have a negative effect on memory, she said. 
So I'm going to play this particular section of the video. Now, um, one of the things is, is that I, I have often been called into question in my father's trial of uh, people saying that, um, and accusing me even at such a young age that I was somehow coached by the prosecution that and my father later argued on appeal that I would, the, the, the memories were planted by the prosecution and detectives. However, the fact is that I was in the house when I heard my mother get murdered. I saw my father's behavior prevaricative as it was, as he was acting very, very strange, all of the things that led up to my mother's murder. And I was the one who contacted the authorities via my mom's friends because my father told me not to talk to the cops. So the fact, so in my case, the, my memory was not altered at all. I remember things as exactly how they unfolded because for the next 25 days, I helped detectives find evidence to locate my mother's body. So when I hear things like this, I get, I get a little iffy because although I do agree with this expert, the easiest thing to remember when you were on the witness stand or when it, just in life in general is the truth. My father was a master manipulator, a psychopath and a narcissist. And he, he was a malignant narcissist and a, and a, and a, a compulsive, a, a compulsive liar. And the way that he behaved is something that I learned. I was like, okay, I don't want to keep secrets. I don't want to live a life like that. So I've always sort of operated by the guys of like, let, stick with the truth. Cause it's the easiest thing to remember. So with there are inconsistencies, I have an, I have a little bit of an issue with that. Other than the fact that she's under duress and she doesn't speak the language, which again, why would you set yourself up to fail? This miss, this woman is missing. You know what I mean? That's something that I think about, but let me, let me go ahead and pull this, uh, pull this segment out here. Our colleague, Kevin Geisey is live outside Stanford Superior Court once again. And Kevin, most of the testimony that jurors heard involved memory yesterday, right? Right, Shannon, good morning. Uh, day two of testimony for the defense was mostly centered around an expert regarding memory and memory loss and how it pertains to this case. Specifically, Dr. Elizabeth Loftus from the University of California, Irvine, testified memory is impacted by circumstances leading up to the creation of the memory and factors related to recalling that memory, such as additional information gathered after you make a memory. She called that post-event suggestion. The defense brought her in to indicate there's an alternate reason why Michelle Traconis may have had inconsistencies in her interviews besides the prosecution's theory that she lied to investigators. After some event occurs, sometimes people um, are exposed to new information. They have conversations with other people. They are interrogated. Uh, they are exposed to media coverage. They get new information. And one of the things that uh, we and other scientists have discovered is that that post-event information, particularly if it's misleading, can contaminate or distort or transform somebody's memory. Dr. Loftus says as part of her work for the defense, she reviewed the transcripts of the three interviews Michelle Traconis gave to police and most of the videos. Now on cross-examination, attorney Sean McGinnis asked if any of the detectives suggested to Traconis that she'd been photos seen Fotis Dulos in the house the morning of May 24th before she said it herself in her June 2nd interview. Prior to her explaining her whereabouts, did you see any detective on the video suggest to her that she had been with Mr. Dulos in the house? No. <clears throat> Prior to her explaining her whereabouts, did you see any detective on the video suggest to her that she had taken a shower with Mr. Dulos? No. Prior to her explaining her whereabouts, did you see any detective suggest that she had seen Mr. Dulos in the four group office with Kent Lewinney? No. So prosecutors were pushing back, saying that any information Michelle Tercronis was giving in later interviews was not interviews were not planted there by police investigators. Shannon. Uh, look, I don't know for any reason if, if, if Michelle Tercronis is guilty or innocent. And the fact of the matter is, is that no one will really know because no one was there. And the other, the expert witness that would have been there that would have known this, uh, you know, wrote a farewell letter and ridded himself of this, uh, ridded the planet of himself back in 2020, in January of 2020. So referring to Fotis Dulos. So again, 
this is uh yeah we all hey guys this is a one-man show over here i apologize one-man band i make mistakes <laughs> I, I wish i had a whole team here doing this but big shout out to, to court mcneil for preparing the notes for today because she does a fantastic job anyways uh apologize but long story short she did michelle traconis did not take the witness stand on friday when the defense rested uh, before the defense rested which probably given the fact that she uh <laughs> given the fact that she had already uh you know had trouble in these interrogations english is a second language was probably a good thing um again i am still very and maybe you guys and maybe you guys can um can go ahead and uh if you know in the comments below go ahead and, and put it in the comments if in fact um Michelle Traconis either refused to have uh, a, a lawyer present or a refused a translator. I don't know the specifics of that because this happened so long ago and I started covering this case two weeks ago. Uh, we can't be mad at you ever. Well, thank you so much. It always adds levity, the levity we need during heavy to topics. Yes, absolutely, Court McNeil. Uh, Tina, our resident parte director, Tina Luffman, also said the same thing. Uh, so the jury had seen three video recordings that Triconis did with investigators. And in the interviews, she was asked multiple times why a trip to Albany Avenue, which is where Dulos was allegedly dumping evidence related to, uh, Jennifer Farber Dulos's disappearance was left off a timeline that she wrote. McGinnis had questioned her, who's the prosecutor, uh, question left is about when Traconis would have written those timelines. If she had written this timeline before she was arrested on June 1st, she couldn't have been threatened by police yet, correct? And she said, no, she couldn't have been sleep deprived by the police. Is that correct? McGinnis said no, or uh, Leftist said no. Uh, so to prepare for, to testify at trial, Leftist said that she reviewed Traconis's interviews with the investigators read arrest read arrest warrants and watched media coverage of the case during the cross-examination uh during the cross-examination mcginnis asked leftists if she was told that traconis's story changed in different interviews she did with investigators after jennifer farber dulos went missing on may 24th 2019 leftist said she could see that for herself when reviewing the interviews leftist also said that it was her understanding that dulos and traconis worked on their timelines together <laughs> let's coordinate our stories guys because again there's all these there's all this nuance to this case that i think is very interesting because you have uh uh photos dulos who okay maybe worked on his timeline with michelle traconis prior to him leaving this earth relieving us of his of his badness and um and then you have Michelle Traconis not understanding half the stuff that was asked to her in an interrogation. This is, if anything, this should be a case study in like what not to do when you're arrested by the police and when you're being interrogated for a crime that carries a capital punishment. This isn't shoplifting. This is like the, you know, I mean, for all intents and purpose, it is like a death penalty. If you get sentenced to 60 years, that's your life, right? I mean, forget it. Prison is not a fun place. Spent a lot of time there as a civilian, of course, but not to, which I will tell you guys about when we watch a murder in Mansfield in our AV club in March, I will tell you about all the experience of how I got the cameras in that prison. It's a very interesting story. So uh, McGinnis also spent much of his cross-examination asking Luftus about her hourly rate as a consultant on the Traconis case, a book she wrote in the 1990s and a history of her past testimony in other cases. McGinnis quoted a section of her book titled witness for the defense the accused the eyewitness and the expert who puts memory on trial in which she wrote that as an expert witness she may act as both an impartial educator and an advocate for the defendant this prompted interruptions from judge kevin a randolph who said the court would not tolerate disrespect it was around at that point that judge randolph ordered the court into recess due to unhinged court proceedings he said, quote, we are going to take a recess because <laughs> things have become unhinged. Nope. Not gonna oh, my goodness. So now I'm going to play this little segment. I wish this could just be easier. 
guys, I'm so sorry. Give a minute while I pull up the video files. You guys are used to this. Every other creators do this too. You know how it goes. There we are. Always dicey when sharing these uh these videos. Good practice. Now, the prosecution hit hard on Dr. Loftus's past work with some very high-profile defendants. She testified more than 300 times. Half of those cases were criminal, and Dr. Loftus says she's only testified for the prosecution once before. Here are some of the cases she either consulted on or testified for the defense on, which attorney McGinnis asked her about. Oklahoma City bomber Timothy McVeigh, O.J. Simpson, Michael Jackson, the Menendez brothers, Ted Bundy, Phil Spector, Harvey Weinstein, and Robert Durst. Attorney John Schoenhorn showed the jury the signed agreement with his office that it has with Dr. Loftus, including the $600 an hour fee. It now, I find the Robert Durst case really interesting because, <laughs> because for any of you who watched the, if you guys saw the series, The Jinx, which is coming back for a second season, by the way, because obviously, if you, well, I won't spoil the jinx for you. It's fabulous. And in my own film, a murder man said we also have a jinx moment a hot mic moment with my father which uh i thought was really ironic because i never saw the jinx until way after i made the film and way, i mean i probably i only saw the i think i only saw the jinx uh, like a year ago actually i think it maybe end of 2022 i got guess right around the time uh um right around the time robert durst died of covid i saw it so that would have been january of 2022 um so it's interesting so they i mean they point out like the worst possible cases OJ, Robert Durst, Harvey Weinstein. I mean, ugh, oy vey. If anything deserves an oy vey, it's that. It's dated on August 12th of 2020. The state asked her about how she bills hours as an expert witness. So that's uh, 14 hours is $600 an hour. Is that right? 14 hours before I left California. Understood. So you're also charging for right now, correct? I'm charging as as you question me. Yes. No, I love this part. Right question is more money you make. Yes, but I hope you'll keep it short. <laughs> OK, so um, we'll, we'll see about that. Um, now, McGinnis asked about her fee, which recently went up to seven hundred dollars, but she is billing guy. the defense and Michelle Draconis at the fee that they initially agreed upon, which is six hundred dollars. <laughs> Doctor, is it fair to say that you have built a lucrative career coming into court and testifying in criminal cases? I love that. Uh, it's fair to say that I'm compensated for my time, just as you are. How much have, do you think I make $700 an hour? We're going to take a recess because things are becoming unhinged. Recess. Judge Randolph Stern in that call for a recess after that line of questioning. I see. I love the judge. I love the judge because he just he he just pretty much is, in my opinion, no nonsense. Like, come on, because this this whole thing is a circus. Now it is not like a Murdoch circus, but it is certainly a circus because you know, no offense. The shenanigans in the Low Country are quite different than the upscale. Um, elitist society in connecticut in my opinion the uh is it's less uh it's less um it's less carl hyacin and more john updike for those of you that are literary people maybe i'll do a book club too john updike uh um carl hyacin carl hyacin more more the murdoch shenanigans john updike this type of people but nonetheless um then she goes and talks to the press, which I also just think. Dr. Loftus spoke with reporters outside of Stanford Superior Court yesterday. She said Attorney McGinnis did what most prosecutors do, which is bring up, in her words, unpopular people she has been brought in to testify for in the past. I think it is kind of an unfair thing to try to link the current accused, Michelle, with these people who are unpopular. So Kevin, it wasn't just about linking the accused to these other people. It's also about attacking her credibility, right? 
Absolutely. Prosecutors were demonstrating to the jury that she has sort of a, a sympathy for defendants or allegedly has sort of a sympathy for defendants, uh, attempting to sort of get the jurors to believe that she's not necessarily the most credible witness to bring in to talk about this. But of course, the defense comes back and says this is she was strictly there to talk about science. She was strictly there to talk about her research that she's been doing over decades. Uh, so she is the best person to testify about memory and memory loss. But of course, the state taking that as an opportunity to push on her credibility so the jurors uh, might not take her science at face value. All right. And to push on her own memory, Kevin. Uh I, I I I always feel I, I feel rude when I cut them off. I want her to finish her complete sentence. This poor woman. Um. Again, so uh, you know, obvious, obvious, uh, obvious issues. Maybe a little jealousy issues with the prosecution. Seven hundred, six hundred dollars an hour. She kept her six hundred dollar an hour fee instead of charging them seven hundred dollars an hour that she does now. But if Michelle Traconis gets off, she's gonna push that to eight hundred dollars an hour. Um. She's making good coin, but uh, apparently she's an expert. Maybe I'll see if I can get her on the show. What do you guys think about that? Because that's an interesting thing. Memory. Talk about my story. That might be an interesting thing. Um, I actually engaged in the same in the same type of um, uh, discussion because a lot of times there was a whole movement in the in the late eighties around um, uh, essay situations and children. Um, and some people were saying it was false memories created, but it turns out that that science was debunked. So I am interested to dive into that a little bit. I can't talk about that on YouTube because you can't talk about that stuff here. Unfortunately, the censors do not like us discussing those types of things. Um, I'm going to jump ahead now. Um, so, uh, John Schoenhorn, her attorney, said, quote, this entire case seems to be about whether Ms. Traconis said things at different times that contradicted things at another time. I believe that the question about how that happened, why that happened, why what she might have said after having been arrested, having been strip searched the night before that, having been kept in a cold cell all night long, hadn't had anything to eat, had very little sleep, played a role in how she related to uh, related what otherwise were mundane details of her day on May the 24th, 2019. So when you put it like that, for example, Mr. Schoenhorn, this guy's a good lawyer, by the way, I think. I feel very confident about this guy. Um, there is something, and I don't know if it's brought up in this video that we're gonna watch. If I repeat myself, I apologize. But one of the things that has been a very hot topic of conversation, obviously, is policing in the United States, right? And police reform. And um, I was just talking to uh, some friends of mine that were visiting from Kansas City yesterday, last night. And uh, we were discussing what happened at the parade. And they were talking about that being a rallying cry for funding the police and things like that. And I was like, well, there's 800 police officers at that particular at that particular event, which is like the entirety of their police department there. Um, <laughs> so I don't know how you prevent something like that happening. But one of the discussions and obviously a hot button issue here in the United States many many hot issues is the is police funding and is police presence and police tactics especially when dealing with people who are from underserved communities and who are from um um uh minorities right those types of tactics look i live in los angeles the rampart district <laughs> rampart division is world famous for its corruption and practices um so like many movies have been uh made rampart in fact starring um uh woody harrelson and i believe michael pena you should watch it it's a fantastic film um since since the murder of george floyd obviously things changed a lot and changed a lot during covid i have friends that work in the government friends are working counterterrorism and all of those things that keep our country safe. And they talk, we get into these weird and random discussions where we talk about, because I had, I had read many books and many articles written by the late great uh, Christopher Hitchens regarding treatment of prisoners at Abu Ghraib and torture techniques that the United States had imply, uh, applied in those particular circumstances. Things like sleep deprivation, things like obviously waterboarding, they're not waterboarding somebody in this, in, <laughs> in a, in a jail, but sleep deprivation, uh, kept in a cold cell, you know, cold environment, you know, not being offered food and then ask these very serious questions, you know, 
there are ways that that in in times of war that are horrific for everyone involved both sides that these things happen that they try to draw information from people i think in a lot of ways when you look at what how she was um how she was um interrogated or treated by police i i also wonder like why nobody has spoken up of that again i am not saying that michelle traconis is innocent or guilty i don't know i don't know that truth i don't think anyone will know that truth and we will see what the jury says this next week or so right but these types of things when i hear about these types of police tactics being used and then obviously things being reformed post you know covid after the george floyd incident it, it does make me think like, what, like how are they treating this woman? Who's obviously, you know, she is a Latina, but she is white and she is obviously wealthy. She's a socialite uh, and how they treated her. I, I just, I kind of wonder why nobody's approached that angle in, or, or even back then, like, how are you allowed to keep her in custody? And she doesn't speak the language and she doesn't have an attorney present. But again, I don't know the details of this, whether or not she was she had denied having counsel with her but they get into some of these police tactics later which i'm hoping that we have in our video because um this is wild so uh anyways the i'm going to skip through here to yes this is what we need all right into their interpretation. So the defense, Kevin, also called Michael Rose, who was Fotis Dulos' divorce attorney at the time. Jennifer oh, disappeared. Divorce attorney. He represented Dulos from January to June of 2019 in the custody and divorce proceedings. Uh, we have heard plenty so far in this trial about a sealed custody report, the contents of which are not allowed to come into court. Attorney Rose testified about Fotis Dulos' reaction once he read the contents of that report. He was he was very happy with with what was there. Um, pleased, you could tell that um, he just seemed relieved and uh, more optimistic than I'd seen him in a while. So this is so one of the things that the defense was trying to bring home um, is the fact that Fotis Dulos had no reason to take the life of Jennifer Farber Dulos because he was winning the custody battle and he was winning. Uh, he, he was very happy with that because they were in this very contentious custody battle. Now there's a lot of other research on, on Michelle Traconis and her involvement in um, her involvement. There's some, there's some great articles on airmail over the last five years, uh, the publication airmail that discuss this particular case and Michelle Traconis's um, involvement in the lives of Jennifer Farber Dulos's children that were a point of contention between Fotis Dulos and Jennifer Farber Dulos. I'm not going to get into this right now, but her involvement and that was causing issues. Uh, and this, this defense here. It, that they are using with the um, the motivation, I find very interesting because my father's defense attorneys did the exact same thing uh, in a way because they were saying that my father had no reason to take the life of my mother uh, because my father, and, and this is something that I discussed with the police, the lead detective in my father's case and in my mother's case um, is... The fact that he, he could not wrap his mind around the fact that my father would take the life of my mother because my mother was losing the divorce. He, 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 he joked with me at the time saying, you know, I, uh, it would make more sense for, for her to want it off him than the other way around because, uh, my mother was losing the divorce to my father. And again, these things are, and this is. This is the parallel that I draw with this to the defense adding this because they're trying to say that Fotis Dulos had no, no motive to take the, the life of Jennifer Farber Dulos, his wife, the mother of his children. So why would he do this? The, the, 
My point in all of this is the following. My father had no reason to also take my mother's life, right? He was a doctor. He had just, you know, if you go back to some of the interviews that I've done with the, with the judge from my father's trial on this podcast, you can check those out. There's a part one and part two where I talked to Judge James Henson, who was the judge of my father's trial. And he talks to me about some stuff that I never even know. So while you're watching the interview, my mind is being blown. One of the things that he, um, that he, uh, he had mentioned is my father had at the time, this was 1990, had signed a contract to go into occupational medicine and he was going to work two weeks a month and make $160,000 a year. Now that is a lot of money right now. I would happily love to make that kind of money. Um, I can't imagine what 160,000 30 years ago is worth now. Um, but it was a lot of money. And then the defense was, again, he didn't need the money. So why would he kill her? Here's the thing. It's not about money. It's not about the custody of the children. It's not about winning all of that. It's about winning everything. It's about winning everything. And I don't know Fotis Dulos. I don't know the history of this other than there were allegations of him being abusive and and obviously taking advantage of her family and their money and using that for business dealings. I, 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 I'm actually really surprised that they brought this in as a, he didn't have any motive type thing because, and I would, you know, the prosecution, you know, maybe they could use this in their closing arguments, but they did not offer a, a rebuttal to any of this. But I would argue that maybe there was that there obviously, if Fotis Dulos did take the life of Jennifer Farber Dulos for no good explanation, because they're, and they're never, just to be clear, again, I'm not, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not, a, I'm not someone who works in law enforcement, but I'm just a guy who's been through a lot of shit. Again, t-shirt coming. But my opinion in having dealt with a psychopath for a father is the fact that. It doesn't, it's a zero sum game. It doesn't matter if she's winning in everything he's losing, right? Even if my father was going to whack her in the divorce and he was going to walk away and be able to retain money and like whatever he's, because a girlfriend is 25 years younger than him. She's probably holding doesn't matter because he still needed to win everything and not diagnose, you know, not obviously not diagnosing. I'm in no position to diagnose anyone, especially someone who's no longer with us, but it sounds to me like the motive for Fotis Dulos, which has not ever been entered, is that fact that he had these tendencies of he will not be wrong. He will win. Same thing as my father. That's the thing that I think really ring, rings true to me. Uh, look at Court McNeil throwing on down the link to the video. Well done, you. Um, it is very good. It is, uh, it's, it's something to really think about as the jury heads into this, you know, heads into deliberation, you know, obviously closing arguments will be next week or tomorrow. We'll start tomorrow, I imagine, or the day after, uh, sometime this week, uh, they will, because they actually are going to be disrupted for this, um, this, this particular hearing over this contempt of court because Jennifer, I'm sorry, because Michelle Traconis had this custody report that this gentleman is talking about in this particular video, um, this attorney, uh, she had this open on her laptop, which was private information, but let's, let's, uh, let's, let's see what else he has to say. Well, it took about an hour and a half for attorney Rose and his client to review the document that happened at the Dulos children's guardian ad litem attorney's office, Michael Meehan's office back in April of 2019. Appearing. And since this was a sealed report, the rules were very strict. We were given copies and we're not allowed to bring in, um, to the best of my recollection, not allowed to bring in iPhones, we're not allowed to make any uh, photostatic copies of the document. Uh, we were allowed to review it and uh, take notes of, of key salient points. Now, after reviewing the document, Rose filed a motion, which he was not allowed to testify about. So, Kevin, this is all part of that strategy from the defense that Fotis didn't have a motive to kill Jennifer because... Things seem to be going his way in that custody dispute, right? 
Right. This custody report continues to come up over and over again without actually getting into the contents of that report, specifically something that we'll never actually be able to see. So the defense continues to push this as sort of a motive killer for Fotis Dulos. He did not want uh, to hurt Jennifer. He wouldn't have wanted to hurt Jennifer because it would have set him back uh, in that custody uh, battle that he was going through. So this is something that the defense continues to bring up over and over. But of course, every time this custody report comes into the courtroom, the judge sort of has to set up very strict parameters uh, and both attorneys are sort of constantly on alert. Uh By the way, real fast, Bonnie Gropper. Thank you so much. My birthday is Wednesday, February 28th, Wednesday, February 28th. So you are, you are early, not belated. Just wanted to clarify. I'm making sure that nothing that isn't supposed to come into court or isn't supposed to be sort of broadcast makes it anywhere inside that courtroom. And Kevin, they talked about all the restrictions they That's had to go through well, on man. reading that report. It's the same sealed document. Michelle Draconis is accused by state prosecutors of having on her laptop in court at least one page of that. That contempt hearing is set to happen after the defense arrests. So, Kevin, how soon could Thank the jury so there, get the case in their hands? All right, so it's anticipated the defense will rest today. We do have that contempt hearing uh, likely early next week. So we could have jury deliberations as early as mid next week. Right. Uh, what a ride it has been. Kevin, guys, live for us once again outside Stanford <laughs> Superior Court. We will. I always feel I feel so rude. Um, that's interesting. Thank you so much for that info, Bell Moon. And uh, welcome to everybody uh, who has joined. Mover Nation. The Mover Nation is growing. All 275 people on the slide. I'm very excited. Very excited all this is growing. Thank you all so much. You have no idea. I should be bigger when I say this. Thank you all so much because you have no idea. It makes me very happy that our, our little our little group is growing and, and our Mover Nation is our Mover Nation is expanding. It's like the game The Sims, right? And you start off and you just kind of like build little cities and all that. For those of you who play The Sims, like I haven't played The Sims in two decades, but and I, I remember it. It's probably big now. It's probably come around. Life is so circadian. Like maybe all the all the Gen Zers are playing Sims on their iPhones now. Who knows? I don't I have no idea. Um, going his way may uh, may have been normal vacation unsupervised, but hey, blew that on his last visit. Not sure what that was. I wasn't born with thorns. I do like your screen name. Um, Sarah Adams, happy birthday to your wife, by the way. Um, built this city. Built this city on rock and roll. Um, who sang that, by the way? Uh, Jen DeSemio, uh, thank you so much for being a member for nine months. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, I want to get into... Um, I want to get to... Okay, so they bring on this legal expert who is kind of interesting. And he talks about the same thing that I was just discussing. We talked about these interrogation tactics. Okay, here we go. All right, here is this. And I don't know who this guy is, but he's great. So here he is. Here's, here's a real lawyer. Uh, accountability um, law changed the way that investigators approach these uh, interviews? Well, I would say yes. You're always thinking about how a jury is going to react, you know, two or three years down the road. And a lot of that plays into what's going on. But about 10 years ago, the state of Connecticut made a law that you had to record all felony, basically, confessions uh, or witness statements that come in in, in a very uh, basic sense. Uh, now, this is discussing the interrogation tactics that the police were using on Michelle Traconis. Like I said about the sleep deprivation, all these things. Uh, you know, that I find very interesting why no one has argued this is <laughs> beyond me, but that's okay. That's okay. Again, I'm not a lawyer. So there you go. Uh, but you know, at this point, if you look at some of the, uh, the interviews there, this is the third interview as we're starting to look now, the detectives are frustrated. They know there's deception going on. The, 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 the interview, the, the answers have changed so many times now they believe deception is going on. And now they're trying other angles. They've tried the nice stuff and they've done good cop, bad cop. And they're, and now they're, you know, you see this, this, uh, interview start to get pretty emotional, uh, and they're putting on her pretty heavy, but listen, a woman's dead and she has a family and these cops have to do everything they can uh, to try to get these these answers, uh, the, the truthful answers to find the victim. Uh, so you can understand that they're trying everything at this point in those interviews. And, and 
those are one of the tactics is to really come on uh, strong. Michelle Traconis maintains her innocence that yep. she says she was truthful with them, that yep. she would help them with whatever she could. Um, I want to get now to that uh, expert that was brought in yesterday, this memory expert who uh, was asked questions about implanting memories potentially which she admits and testifies to that like in those interviews, down, by the way that did not happen do investigators expect their interrogations to kind of be picked apart by experts that might be brought in on the back end of this yeah look at this isn't like stealing shrimp at the Absolutely. target here they the, the cops know this is going to a jury oh, this is nobody, they know that they're going to have the target here they that might be brought in on the back end of this yeah look at this isn't like stealing shrimp at the target here they the, the cops know this is going to a jury they know that they're going to uh, uh, retain experts. I, I'm going to tell you guys right now. I'm going to tell you guys right now. I got to make this full screen. Maui Swift, thank you. Uh, I guarantee you, I will say this again. It's not like we're talking about stealing shrimp at Target. What a weird thing to say of all things for someone to steal, <laughs> steal shrimp at Target. It's not like we're stealing shrimp at Target. You're going to hear that come out of my mouth again. I think that is so funny. Court McNeil, please make a note. It's not like we're talking about stealing shrimp at Target. What an odd, odd thing to say, but I do think it's, he's right. It's just so funny to me. I don't know why. You got to find a little bit of humor in all this because or else you'll just go crazy. And that's what's done here. And look, you can you can retain an expert to come in and almost say anything. And if you look at some of the um, the trials that, that this expert was tied to, that's going to play a role in the jury. When she first gets put on the stand, her the defense attorney will build her credibility, talk about all her training, all exactly. her experience, all her yeah. education. Exactly. Uh, but on the oh, other boy. side, now the prosecution is going to attack it uh, from the other angle. Certainly, all these cases <laughs> that this is her career, I believe to a jury that would affect the veracity of it all. And switching gears now, there was a piece of evidence that had not been reported until this trial, not in an arrest warrant, not in any of Michelle's three arrest warrants, any of Kent Winnie's uh, warrant, Fotis Doulos' uh, warrants, um, smoke seen uh, on surveillance video from across the Jefferson um, Crossing property, rising from the chimney there on May 20. Okay, uh, I, see, I hate when I interrupt her. Uh, now we're going to get into a little bit of the smoke. I talked about the, the other day the smoke with the chimney but what they're going to talk about is the very is the specifics because there's 30 days of of surveillance that tape that they had which i guess when you go to your thing i go to my app i have like 30 day record of all the doorbells and cameras all over this place and everything like that right so um i uh uh they're going to talk about how there was no other time that they were running the fireplace in that may in that span of 30 days this is an interesting point they make 24th that afternoon um can you talk more rising from the chimney there on may 24th that afternoon um can you talk more about this piece of evidence and how it plays into the puzzle i had some questions for you on this but let's just talk about that fireplace yep so look at they got that they got that from neighbors videos and typically you're going to get 30 days or more of video evidence and what the cops are really going to do with that is uh go look at that it was smoke the smoke was that day look at the weather go back five days go back 10 days go back 30 days they never used the the, the chimney and now all of a sudden on that day they did that's what's really going to jump into the jury when the when the when the crime scene cops go in the house yes they're going to look in the fireplace my suspicion is the fireplace was cleaned out because you're not seeing any evidence of there all the major crimes detectives uh at the connecticut state police have some level of arson training and and seizing that sort of evidence uh so if if there were evidence there they would know how to retain it look at that that type of fire that much smoke the evidence that's going to be able to be obtained from any type of ashes there is extremely limited uh but the state police would have had that training my suspicion that fireplace was cleaned out uh, prior to them getting there. To your knowledge, there was nothing of evidentiary value that was found in that fireplace. No, and they would have looked. You know, look at the, the, the it, one. It would be the, the crime scene pictures would have everything in there that they went and, and uh, took pictures of. So that would be there, and the cops, uh, those detectives, wouldn't miss a fireplace uh, or evidence in there. So my again. I have to believe that was thoroughly cleaned out and the evidence uh, gone uh, elsewhere. Michelle Tracona is telling that that was that was a normal routine for her to burn the fireplace again. Investigators probably wanted to look on all that video yep. days leading up to that to see again uh, if that matched her story, what she was telling investigators. Much more analysis coming up with. Anyways, um, yes. So um, 
just uh, in all fairness, uh, Rhonda Weaver and others, I asked Google. I did not know that off the top of my head. I had to ask Google. So, uh, but there you have it. So, um, uh, all right. So now, um, getting to the bottom of my final thoughts on this whole process. Okay. So the defense is rested. Uh, you know, we will get into closing arguments this week and then the jury will be handed a decision to make on whether Michelle Traconis was an accessory, whether she's isn't guilty. The fate, her fate is in her hands. The smartest thing, again, in my opinion, and my father said this to me, uh, because you know that, that like everyone in prison is innocent, right? It's always someone else's fault. Like everyone in prison. I, I've, I've met very few guilty men and, and men and women in prison when I've been to them. Uh, no, everybody's innocent. They always get screwed by the lawyer. They always did the wrong thing. They, never, they never actually did it, right? Very rarely do they say, oh, yeah, I did it. However, um, my uh, one of the things my father told me was is that if you go, never go on the stand and defend yourself. So uh, Michelle Draconis at least didn't do that because I think they would have tripped her up in all kinds of of Michigas and nonsense because to me, it just appears that, um, that, uh, you know, there's a language barrier and there's that whole thing, but there's also this, this, um, this situation with, uh, with her just not having her facts straight and coordinating with photos doulos with her facts. Um, the last person uh, that is Jennifer's mother. I want to get into the last, um, the last day was, um, this language expert. And I think this is, uh, Hold on one second. Sorry, guys. Uh, sharing screen, doing this. We built this. We built this city on rock and roll. Woohoo! That song is going to be stuck in my head all day. Uh, this, I believe, is going to get into the language expert. Yeah, great. Seven days of testimony. Not to take this very beginning. She has made this decision. No trial. Who's the judge asking her? Court. Have you made this decision knowingly after talking to your lawyers? This is they're asking her, hey, did you, are you deciding not to take the stand in your own defense? See, just before her defense attorneys closed. I'll translate that because, you know, uh, C means yes. Closed out their case. At this time, the defense rests. Michelle Draconis making the decision not to testify and not to talk to reporters while leaving the courthouse. No, gracias. Her friends and family speaking in her place. I was waiting for this day for five years and finally came on Michelle Draconis. By the way, I want to point out something. Really fast here. Eight for five years and five. Can you see my mouse? Okay. That little camera contraption hooked to that iPhone. I have been trying to get that for two months. I've been trying to get that for two months. That is an Osmo Pocket 3. I had it being delivered here and they stole my package. On track, stole my package. Sorry. But that's what they're using there. And Ali came. On Michelle Troconis is innocent. The state still did I not find prove that my sister was connected in any of this. And my sister's attorneys did prove that she had nothing. You know who this, uh, who, who she looks like is, um, when I was watching this earlier, she looks like, did you, uh, what is her name? Um, is she from the movie, the real blonde or she was married to, she's an actress. She was married to Pete Sampras. Uh, beautiful blonde woman, super funny in like the early, like late nineties, early two thousands. I think she was in the real blonde, but I'm not sure. Um, to do with 
any of this. Traconis's defense attorney, John Schoenhorn, explained the decision not like to put his client on the stand. What was she going to say? Well, in the first interview, I was correct. In the second one, I made a mistake. All of that is now out, and the jury can take it for, for what it is and decide whether it was mistaken, misunderstanding. A picture Schoenhorn continued to paint on Friday, wrapping up. By the way, that, by the, way the actress, real fast, is Bridget Wilson. I just had to ask the Google that. Up nearly three days of testimony with a new witness in the courtroom. The language we speak influences how we think. Dr. Varika Marion is a cognitive scientist. She testified about the consequences of speaking multiple languages when it comes to how the brain processes and remembers information. Most people think that when you don't use a language, you switch it off. So you switch one on, you use it, you switch it off, and you go back and forth. That's not how the brain works. All languages are being coactivated in parallel, but to different degrees. Dr. Marion combed through hours of police interviews with Draconis, paying attention to how she used her words and how English, being her second language, may have impacted her delivery. If they are frequently saying, um, uh, 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 pausing, that's a sign that they, they're disfluent in the other language. Concluding from the interviews that when it comes to speaking or understanding English, Traconis falls somewhere in the middle. There is an opportunity for miscommunication. And the, the lower the proficiency, the more opportunities for miscommunication and misunderstandings. Prosecutors argue Chaconis's account of what happened the day Jennifer Farber-Dulos disappeared changed in each interview. How proficient in a second language do you need to be to lie? I'm going to object, Your Honor. Pointing out that before Ooh. today, Dr. Marion had never spoken to Traconis. For the past three years, you never asked to meet her? No. Now, from here, the attorneys will take part in a charge conference on Monday with closing arguments set for Tuesday. We are in Stamford, Julia LeBlanc, Fox 61, Connecticut's news station. Well, that's interesting that she lied in her alibi scripts, which were written in her second language. Well, there you go, in her, in her first language. So they were written in Spanish. See, this is why you guys make me a genius. <laughs> genius. Yes, lies by omission are, are, are still lies. Absolutely. I completely agree. Um, that's interesting, though. Um, just got to the stealing shrimp at Target Park. Must have t-shirt, Ottawa Andy. I love that. Um, yeah. So all that said, guys, what do you think? What do you, you know, it doesn't matter what I think. It matters what you guys think. My audience, what do you guys think? Is she going to be found guilty in all this? Uh, or is she going to be released to the world? I mean, either way, um, either way, her life is um, completely altered. I wouldn't say it's ruined, but it's completely altered and um, the trajectory of her life and her, she has a daughter. I apparently who's a, who was a skiing, per, uh, a ski competitor. And I'm sure her life has been altered because of this. And you know, it's all sad. Again, this is the, this is the consequences that I've always talked. I always talk about. That's the one thing that rings true on this program. Every single episode, every single show, I always say, I will be on that. I will die on that hill consequences of violence and the impact it has on the surrounding and ancillary victims in these situations is absolutely devastating. Um, it just is communities, everyone. It's absolutely devastating. Speaking of community mover nation, I am so grateful for all of you, uh, all of you being here, all of you participating, all my channel members, all my Patreon supporters. Thank you all so much for your contributions. Every, every little bit helps this program. Every little bit helps this channel. Please click the like. If you're liking this material, please check out my other videos. Please share this channel with others. It's very exciting. Uh, I am March is knocking. We are knocking on March's door and spring is about ready to start. And there's going to be big changes with this channel. I'm really excited. A lot more content. Uh, like I said, a lot of things changing in my life and I'm very grateful for all of it. I like to keep everything as current as I can. And uh, I like to stay on top of things and give you guys the best programming that I can give. And um, I couldn't do it without all of you. My, my, my members, everyone showing up here for the lives, everyone sharing the content, everybody watching the content. 
Thank you so much. If you would smash that like button, button, I would greatly appreciate it. If you if you want to join our channel members, we have a Discord. We are doing the AV Club, as I mentioned, live screenings of content. My film, A Murder in Mansfield, that's going to be our March movie in our AV Club. Uh, you can join everything on Discord. You can join you join the YouTube membership or on Patreon. Both membership platforms will get you access to that Discord, access to the AV Club our chats and our live monthly meet and greets, which we just had today. It's the last Sunday of every month at noon Pacific, 3 PM Eastern time. We do it. So everyone from around the world can hopefully join It's sort of a agnostic time that works for everyone. Um, I appreciate everything. It is time zone agnostic is what I meant to say. Uh, Mover nation. I appreciate all of you. Thank you so much for joining. I will see you all on Wednesday, if not sooner, but Wednesday is my birthday. February 28th. Thank you all so much. And shout out to On the Outskirts, who has a birthday on February 29th. And shout out to Sarah, whose father or who, whose partner, uh, Sarah Adams, who's, uh, whose wife had a birthday today or on the 28th as well. Uh, thank you all so much. I think I got everybody covered. Mover Nation, we get through another one. On that note, I'm Collier Landry. I'll see you on the next one. This podcast is made possible by support from listeners just like you. For exclusive content around this podcast, please consider supporting me via Patreon by going to collierlandry.com forward slash support. Please subscribe via Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. And please leave us a five-star review. If you want to see video episodes of this podcast, please check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash collierlandry. You can find links to additional resources in the show notes of today's episode. This podcast is a production of Don't Touch My Radio. Copyright, Collier Landry.